For meditation this afternoon, may we turn once again to the book of James, and I'd like to read the entire fourth chapter of James. James chapter 4. I'll only be meditating this afternoon on the latter part of the chapter, verses 13 through 17, but would like to read for us the entire chapter. James writes, and he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go there, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, We shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So in this fourth chapter of James here, he continues with this overarching theme of genuine and authentic Christianity. And he really touches on a number of themes that are very relevant, not only to those in that day that he was writing to, but especially to us today as well. And this is the reason why the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and powerful, that it didn't just speak to those to whom it was written, but it speaks to us as well. And, and we see in this chapter, and, and, and certainly would do it no justice to try to cover even a few of them um, in one message, but, you know, he, he begins and talks about the war that wages within us. He talks about spiritual adultery, worldliness, pride, and humility, 
that of judging each other or judging one another. And then the uncertainty of life and, and ends the chapter here ends with a verse that talks about the um, sins of omission that uh, we can easily uh, commit in, in our lives. And I'd just like to begin this meditation beginning here with verse 13 with just the um, acknowledgement that probably many of us, if not most of us that are here, have used phrases like, God bless you, or thank the Lord, or as in our text, Lord willing, and have done so with perhaps very little thought attached to it. And certainly all of these phrases um, are, are very good and, and, and biblical and ones that, that we should, as believers, be saying. And, and if, if indeed they are heartfelt and, and come from within, um, they are meaningful, they are important in, in what they communicate. And, and the text that we have and that we'll be focusing on this afternoon contains one of these, and namely that, uh, that expression of Lord willing. And I'd like to, um, uh, or I'd rather would venture to say that, that that may be an expression that is, is waning, um, in, in our midst, in our lives, and, and maybe among Christians in general, something that I've noticed and, and certainly um, have recollection of, of older believers uh, prefacing uh, their uh, statements, their plans, and, and things more often perhaps by saying, uh, Lord willing, um, or if God wills it, or, or some uh, perhaps variation of that. And As we look at these verses here, James uh, will begin with verse 13 where he says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So clearly the context here of what James is addressing as he does throughout throughout his book, he seems to be addressing various um, scenarios that probably were very real scenarios and, and perhaps were even things that he was concerned about. But he was, the context here is clearly one in which he is addressing those that are business people, those that do business, those that, um, uh, for their livelihood, for, for what they do, are engaged in, in business. And, and while that may be the context, certainly the truths that James is addressing here can certainly apply to each and every one of our lives, recognizing that most here are not uh, in business for themselves. And he is not in any way um, condemning anyone that is in business for themselves um, or engaged in, in doing business, nor is he condemning the whole idea of, of making a profit. That is one of the purposes. Certainly should not be the only purpose or even the most important purpose, but a necessary purpose of business is to generate a profit and not a loss. Otherwise, that business could not survive. And, and the Bible does say a lot about money and, and how one is to conduct their business um, in this world. But James is um, really focusing on other uh, 
related matters in, in this verse as he brings about this scenario. And namely, he's addressing, um, in part, what we in our lives sometimes um, presume or even take for granted. And we all do that. There, as we go through life, uh, we, have, we presume things and, and take many things for granted. Uh, and probably one that obviously comes to mind is, is our health. And, and when we're healthy, we, we just assume, perhaps, that we'll always be healthy until, obviously, a sickness may come. And, and it's so easy to take that for granted and take that lightly. But many of the circumstances that we find ourselves in in life, we can easily presume that they will continue in a good way as they are right now. Or that they will always perhaps be there and that perhaps the job that we have will, will, will always be there and it will be a good job and, and continue to go well. And even in our relationships, often we, we can presume that, that they will continue as they are. But the reality is that that's not always the case. And relationships do break down. Family um, and, and friends can disappoint us. And so really... The things that we often uh, presume to continue, James is really drawing attention for us that this may not always be that way. And certainly that can also apply to uh, just the prosperity of the time that we live in or the place that we live in and our ability to to work and, and earn a living and, and have possessions. You know, if, if we consider the last five months that all of us have gone th- gone through it certainly should be something that that teaches us or has taught us that um, we should not presume that things can and do and as we have seen can very dramatically change almost overnight or in an instant and that we can't take things for for granted or or even Expect that the things that we planned for or plan will actually come to fruition. Because that simply isn't the way it is. And I think all of us here can think of some of the plans that you maybe had for this summer or, 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 um, sometime in these last five months that, that needed to be changed, that needed to be, uh, dropped. I had, uh, good intentions and plans of taking a number, uh, um, from this church and other churches to Israel back in May, and needless to say, that was canceled and is now postponed till next year. Um, but I have to add, uh, and every time I talk about that, intentionally say, Lord willing, realizing that that may simply not happen then either, possibly. But we need to recognize that James is not telling us that it's wrong to make plans or to have plans and to be making them. We need to have plans and we should have plans in our lives, for our personal lives, for our families, our marriages, even our career or job. And all of these things are good as we consider that. Even those of us that are in business, planning is an important part of a business. And as we get older, making plans for retirement years is also a wise thing and a prudent thing to do. And so James is not saying don't plan, but rather he is saying plan to include God in your plans. 
Plan to include God in your plans. In other words, that that shouldn't be, as we make plans, shouldn't be an afterthought or, or something that, that um, we think about later or, or after our plans are finished and perhaps we just simply are asking God to, in a sense, rubber stamp them or, or simply go along with them, but that we should be intentional about including God in our plans. In Proverbs, uh, it says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. And then further on, commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And really, this is this whole idea that James is really driving at in this text, that we need to include God in our plans and not leave him out of the plans that that we have. Beautiful scripture in, in Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. And, and God is, is, um, so interested in our lives and in every part of our lives. And, and he knows everything about us and he knows what's best for us and, and, and what will be in our interest and what will serve us well. And, and with all that knowledge that God has of us, why wouldn't we want to always include him in the plans that we make? Because that, that is so important. And so, why should we not presume that so many of the things that perhaps we do plan um, or intend to, to have happen in our lives, that they that that is not a wise thing to do, or is not what God is actually asking us to to um, approach those things in that way? And James gives us the answers for that. In verse fourteen, he begins by saying, "Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow." And this is simply a statement that he is making, a factual statement that none of us knows what lies ahead tomorrow. And so for that reason alone, making plans without including God in those plans can be foolish, can be foolhardy. And we, we can see that, that not only don't we know what's, in t- what's going to happen tomorrow, that this world is changing so quickly and things can change and our circumstances and the world around us can change so quickly and all of a sudden because things are uncertain and things are, in a sense, we could say very volatile. And tomorrow is not promised. We hear that that expression and we, we say it perhaps often, but do we really um, live our lives as if we really believe that, that tomorrow is not promised, that we don't have guarantees for tomorrow? But we should also not um, presume on things and because uh, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but also because of the realization that that without God, remember, God wants to be included in our plans. But without him, the Bible says that we can't do anything. And every one of us owes everything to God, even the very breath that we breathe, we owe to God. Paul in one place says, what do I have that I did not receive from him? 
And if we're all really honest with ourselves, everything that we have and are is because of God's love for us, because of his graciousness to us, because of his tender mercies and his kindness towards us. All of these things are are gifts that he gives us. And in that gracious giving to us, he wants us to acknowledge the giver, as the Bible says, of every good and perfect gift, recognizing that it comes from him. But then James goes on in this uh, verse, he says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And here he further emphasizes this point that, that we should simply not presume that the plans we make are just all going to fall in place so neatly and nicely exactly the way we plan them. Why? Because our life, as it says here, is like a vapor. And we, we all understand what that is like. It's, it's like the morning fog that, that is there and, and sometimes can be very thick, but then when the sun comes, it is, is driven away and it, it dissipates. And Isaiah, um, brings into that idea also the idea or the um, analogy of uh, of grass and the flower. He says in Isaiah chapter 40 that all flesh is grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. And surely people is, the people is grass or like grass. And this too is is really answering this question that James is asking here, what it says, what is your life? It's like that, fleeting, um, like a flower that, 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 that is there for a short time. And, and then, you know, I have a, a, a pond that I thoroughly enjoy watching, but you know, those water lilies, you know, they, they come out, they're there for an, an absolutely beautiful and stunning for two days, three at the most. And then they just wilt away and, and other plants as well. And we've all witnessed that. And and the Bible teaches us that life is like that. And and we need to recognize that. And it's it's not just our lives, but even the things in life and and the things that we shouldn't um, count on and depend on. Things like like riches or possessions or wealth or beauty or even other things, sometimes immaterial things, opportunities, and, and even relationships, that we shouldn't presume that these things will always be as they are. And this hopefully will give all of us a greater appreciation for how much we depend on God. Not only for the, the air that we breathe, but every aspect of our life, and especially the plans that we make, that we need to include God in them. He goes on in the next verse, and then he, he gives perhaps what we might say is the antidote to all of this, the answer, um, the other perspective, that instead of saying that we're going to go here or there and do this or that, rather that we should say, as it says here, if the Lord will. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And, and depending on how the punctuation happens in this verse, it can perhaps mean a couple different things. But ultimately, it does mean that if the Lord wills it, we shall live. Because our life is in his hands, and he has appointed a day for all of us to 
leave this world and to die. But but if the Lord will, we shall live and then we can do this or that. This expression, Lord willing, or God willing, or if the Lord wills, however we would phrase that, is something that we should say, we should say it, but perhaps more importantly, we should live it in our lives. We should live it in our hearts. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and if, if truly God is in our plans, then our mouths will speak at an appropriate time. And we'll get to that in a moment. Those words, God willing or Lord willing. But the important thing here is that in our hearts, we want to and we desire to and we, 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 um, need, recognize that we need to include God in our lives and in, in everything that we do. Romans chapter 12 puts it beautifully when it says, I beseech you, Paul says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Being conformed to this world is is literally leading God out of our lives and out of our plans. And sadly, so many people um, do that in the world, giving no thought to God, no thought to to the truths and precepts in his word, to the warnings that are given in his word, to the, the guidance and direction that it gives. And, and Paul is saying here, that don't be conformed to the way the world does things by leaving God out of their plans, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That our minds and our hearts would be in tune with God and and what he desires and what he values and what he sees is good. And if we do that, it says here, so that by that we'll be able to prove or discern or know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that will come when, when, when we allow God through His Spirit to transform us and, and to renew our minds and to, to make our, our, our minds conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so this, this idea of, of, of having this, um, of really saying, but also living this idea of the Lord willing or God willing does need to be in our hearts, but it also needs to be in our prayers. You remember the Lord's Prayer when, when his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. That in that prayer, he, he included, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And, and while it certainly is appropriate and good that we maybe from time to time, uh, repeat that prayer exactly the way it is written. It really became a, a, a teaching opportunity for the Lord when the disciples asked him that question of what is important to pray about. And, and we're not going to go into that right now, but one of those things was here that, that 
God's kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus preached about, is here on this earth, that it's in the hearts of men. And it is what we live out on a day-to-day basis. And living in this kingdom here and now, it's so important that God's will, as it is in heaven, done, obviously, because God rules supreme in heaven, and only his will is done in heaven, that it would also be done on earth in your life, in my life. And it can, and it will be, um, when we ask him to do it. And, and it should be in our lives that we would be, that we would be living that out. In Proverbs, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And, and the scripture can't put it more clearly, this idea that we need to include God in our plans. And that if we do that, he will direct our paths. He will lead us in the way that, that we should go. And that we can have confidence that we are, are living out his will in our lives. But we should also do it with our lips because very specifically here, James says, for that ye ought to say. We ought to say if the Lord wills. We ought to say God willing or Lord willing. That should be. And at a time when that's appropriate and, and not lightly. It's not something that I think the scriptures are encouraging us to, to tack on to every statement that we make or, or that we would include it as we share our plans for everything, um, everything that we do in life. But I would venture to say, especially for myself, that, that I um, say it far less often than I should. And it's important that when we say it, that we really mean it and that it comes from our heart. That it's not just something that we we say because we think it's the right thing to say, but that we say it because we really have included God in our plans. We really have trusted Him our in trusted Him in our lives with our whole heart and 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 asked Him to to really um, direct the paths that we are on. And so it should be not simply out of habit or in a frivolous way, but heartfelt and very sincere. And you know, when we look at Scripture, we can see the examples in Scripture of this as well, where the Lord Jesus himself submitted himself. We heard this morning about the importance of submitting in many different areas of life. And then we see how the Lord Jesus on this earth, we heard about that, how he also submitted to his earthly parents, but more importantly to his heavenly father. In John, it says, I can, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the father which hath sent me. His ministry, his life, on earth was to do the will of the Father, and he sought his Father's will and would do nothing apart from it. And and we would be blessed if we would follow in that example, that we would do likewise. And even in in, in death, 
he submitted himself to the will of God. We read in Matthew, it says, uh, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Brothers and sisters, as we go through life, is that perhaps the motto, as Jesus also said, that, that we would live by? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And that, that is something that, that is important for, for us to do. You know, when we talk about God's will, um, what God wills, it really um, falls into a number of categories. We know that, that God is indeed a sovereign God and that nothing happens, in a sense, outside of his will. But sometimes it is his permissive will that causes or that allows things to happen. And other times it's his perfect will. It's really what he really wants. And, and we can see in the brokenness of the world around us that God permits and he allows so many things to happen. But if men and women and if his children would choose to submit themselves to his authority, to his um, lordship in their lives, they would experience much more often his perfect will in their lives rather than just what he allows. Because many times the things that God does allow in our lives and in the lives of people are things that are difficult and that are hurt. Uh, can be hard to go through, but are the result of us perhaps not fully trusting in him and seeking him in every aspect of our lives. And God wants us to know that while he is all-powerful, that he still gives us the choice, the free will to choose to follow him. He gives us the choice to, to include him in our plans and, and in a very sincere and real way, live our lives in, in the way that James is encouraging us to, Lord willing, God willing, God permitting, God directing, God showing, God going before us to, to lead the way in which we ought to follow. Paul also gives an example as he writes to the various churches that he practiced this in his own life. Um, when he was with the Ephesians, uh, he said, I will return to you if God will. And we know that he, he was able to return to them. Um, and at one point it became the last time. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote, and he said, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. He understood that. And he wrote to the Romans um, before he ever went to Rome to, to meet them there. And he, and he said that he, that he was praying that he might have a prosperous journey to be able to come to them by the will of God. Beloved, can we make a, a conscious effort in our lives to, to include God in all that we do? Because the opposite of that is really what James is addressing here in verse 16 when he says, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. And that very likely may have been a, a um, response to those that, in verse 13, that said, 
today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, boasting perhaps on their business abilities, their ability to make a profit, their ability to be successful and all of those things. And and James is saying, but now um, you're rejoicing in that, but all such rejoicing is evil. It's not a good thing because you you forget about all of the other things that that he mentions here the the uncertainty of life the brevity of life how quickly things can change and 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 all of those things that that really can turn our plans upside down in proverbs it says boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth we shouldn't boast because ultimately God is in control and not us. When we leave God out of our plans, we can, in a sense, become perhaps like that rich fool that Jesus spoke about in a parable in Luke chapter 12. And I'm not going to go there to read it. I think many of us know there. But but you will note, if you read it, that God is not a part of that equation whatsoever. Literally, this rich fool whom the Bible addresses as uh, that, uh, um, in those words, it was all about himself, me, myself, and I. He says, I will do this, I will do that. Uh, you know, it was everything that he planned to do and God was not in it. And then God replies uh, the, to him and says, thou fool. And he says, you know, so is everyone who who, um, lays up treasure for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And in a sense, he was saying, if you don't include God in your plans, that in a sense, you're not being rich towards God. You're not including God in that. And, And that can be a tragedy. Finally, in verse 17, and this verse almost seems to be um, a little bit out of place because uh, it could apply to and does apply to so many things, but I think it also applies to this portion of Scripture. He says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are many sins of omission, many things that we, because we don't do them, we are sinning. And by putting this verse into this um, text here, James, I think, is also telling us that when, when we exclude God from our plans, when we don't consult him, when we don't ask him, that that is also sin. Because in a sense, we're relying on ourselves. In a sense, we are um, lifting ourselves up, and that that is pride. In a sense, we are... Um, Placing someone else on the throne of our, our hearts and our lives, and that can be ourselves, maybe our own abilities, our own goals and desires and ambitions, instead of the very things that God wants us to pursue. And so one of the sins of omission can be simply to leave God out of our plans. And may we be encouraged, and, and I need to speak that to myself, first of all, because often I do make plans or, or do um, make decisions which I have either altogether not included God or certainly not in, is to the extent that I should. 
But when we include God in our plans, he is honored. And then we can truly say, Lord willing, Lord willing, and have confidence that he is guiding us each step of the way. I'd like to suggest a, a hymn, um, if we could sing, from the Gospel Hymns, 399. He holds the key to all unknown. As you sing the song, ponder on these words and really consider them for your life. All of us consider them for our lives, how God is ultimately in control and we need to recognize that he does hold the key and if he controls our lives as well, that things will go well for us.